For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello, Raider Nation. Welcome to the Believe in Raiders podcast on the Believe Podcast Network. I'm Dennis Acker. Please be joined by former Raider great Stanford Rapp. Stan, how we doing? Pretty good, pretty good, man. All things considered, uh, hopefully this weekend winds up more, should I say, glorious or a more joyous occasion than it uh, than it was last week down in the Big Easy. Oh, that was embarrassing, Stan. 24 nothing loss to the New Orleans Saints, a game I experienced firsthand. This was unexpected after Silver and Black. Stan, they'd won two of three and went toe-to-toe with the Kansas City Chiefs in that one loss, but they were shut out for the first time since 2014 when they lost to the then St. Louis Rams 52 nothing. The offense didn't cross midfield till two minutes left in the game. That's when Jared Stidham was in in mop-up duty at quarterback. Stan, they came out flat again, which so far seems to be the theme to this season. They were dominating both sides of the line of scrimmage. And Stan, for the second time this season, Mark Davis met with head coach Josh McDaniels uh, following a loss. What do you make of this game? What do you make of this season so far, Stan? Oh, well, obviously, when we look at how this season has transpired, it's, you know, let's just go ahead and say disappointing, to say the least. Uh, but it makes you really wonder as far as Josh McDaniels and Derek Carr, are they gelling? Does it seem like the team is responding to the leadership of Josh McDaniel? And then also, as far as the, the moves that were made in the offseason, uh, when you look at the draft picks, when you look at not addressing the offensive line, not addressing the other uh, DBs, it really makes you wonder, do you have the right people in place as far as the front office? So that's probably why Mark Davis is meeting with Josh McDaniels for the second time. And just simply the first eight weeks of the season, we're not even at the official halfway point yet now that we have 18 weeks in the season and no longer 17. So I think that uh, uh, just to go ahead and put in one word, I would say disappointing. How surprised were you by Sunday's game? Because like I said, they had just won two of three. You and I were being somewhat optimistic, we both picked them to go into the Big Easy and beat the Saints. What to you was the one thing that disappointed you the most in Sunday's performance? I would probably just say simply not being ready to play. I think that uh, when you look at how usually the West Coast teams, they go and they play in the Central Time Zone or the Eastern Time Zone, a lot of times it's a 12 o'clock kickoff or 1 o'clock kickoff. Well, that's 10 o'clock. West Coast time, Las Vegas, or even for Oakland. So you you got to get your body clock sped up a little bit. You got to wake up a little bit earlier, things like that. So it just seemed like they were not ready to play. That's to me what uh what my biggest takeaway was as far as what I was able to extrapolate from watching those four quarters of that putrid football. So I think that uh that right there in a nutshell, and then it was just like a slow burn. Like it wasn't like the Saints just, you know, sped out to 21 skunk lead right away. And then, you know, it's just slowly seven points, 10 points, 17 at halftime. And then, you know, you just wonder like, okay, are they going to be able to get anything going? You see Devontae Adams, what, one catch for three yards? Uh, Just, you know, the game got away from them very quickly. And uh, they spent the 
better part of the game trying to play catch up and that didn't even work because they didn't even score points. All right. I'm going to follow up on this point because it was going to be later on in the podcast, but since you brought it up, but let me get the bet online read in here real quick for the promo. And then I want to come back to this basketball is back and bet online remains your number one source for all your sports betting needs this season. You'll always find the latest odds, team matchup info, player news and game trends at bet online. As your continued source for all sports wagering information, BetOnline features live betting, free contests, and giveaways all season long. Always the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports and events, whether that's the NFL, NBA, NHL, MMA, tennis, boxing, or even golf. Head to BetOnline.ag to join and receive your 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Make sure you use the promo code BLEAVE to receive your rewards. BetOnline where the game starts. All right, Stan, I want to pick this back up now. You know, you know, we've talked about this before, the Raiders playing to the level of their uh, opponent, but Sunday, yes. I mean, we, we, we talked about it. It was inexcusable. They came out flat. They were beaten in all three phases by the less than mediocre Saints team. Stan, I, I mean, you played eight years in the NFL. Is this on the players? Is it on the coaches? Uh, is it on the team captains? Is, is it on everybody? It's on everybody. Your players got to play better. Coaches got to coach better. And then if you're the GM, you got to be able to make better decisions in the offseason to go ahead and try to put the best product that you can out on the football field. So this is something that it goes to everybody. But at the end of the day, it's going to fall on the head of the head coach, all pun intended. That's why Mark Davis is meeting with Josh McDaniels, the head coach. So uh, you're the head. You're the one who, who uh, you're the face of the franchise. It's all going to fall on your shoulders if everything is not running in unison and should I say running high off all cylinders. But coaches got to coach better. Players got to play better, obviously. And as far as the front office, you got to make better moves. I mean, did the Raiders make any trade acquisitions or anything like that uh, this past week? No. There you go once again. So uh, that's why No, this goes on everybody. Stan, let me ask you this. In your time with the Raiders, seven seasons there, how many times did – then owner, the late, great Al Davis, meet with the head coach, whoever might have been the coach at that time while you were playing for the Silver and Black. As far as I know, Al met with the head coach pretty frequently just because Al was hands-on. Right. He was somebody that he wants to meet with you all the time, even if we're winning, losing, whatever. He just wants to know what's going on because he was very hands-on, much like how Jerry Jones is with the Dallas Cowboys, respectively. So Mark Davis, he never gave me – the inkling he never gave me the impression that he wanted to be completely hands-on that's why after al davis passed god rest his soul he bought in reggie mckenzie he bought in people within the within the franchise within the organization to let them run it and then he's just the owner and he handles you know owner things (laughs) you know whatever that means uh so for him to want to meet with the head coach i think that's more telling for him versus al d always meeting with the head coach where it's just a different reasoning why you're seeing these meetings happen and why you're seeing these meetings happen specifically after losses. You didn't hear anything about the meeting with uh, Josh McDaniels after the Broncos win. You didn't hear anything about the other games. So that to me speaks volumes versus Al Davis, simply his meetings that he had every week with the head coach. Stan, you mentioned the Raiders GM, and that's Dave Ziegler. He met with the media earlier this week, and here's what he had to say about the team's slow start. When you come in in year one, what you're doing from the beginning until the end is evaluating. 
and you're figuring out what the fits are, what your strengths are as a team, what your needs are as a team going forward. And so that was always going to be a big part of year one, and that's going to continue to be a, a big part of year one. Um, obviously, at two and five, um, you know, that's like you said, that's not where we want to be. And so you got to take a critical, continue to take a critical look at um, how do you improve the team? Um, things that you're doing, how, you know, at, at, from a scouting standpoint or whatever it may be in the organization, it hasn't been good enough. And so, you know, like I said in my original press conference when I got hired, the um, one of the fabrics of this going forward is going to be to evaluate what we're doing and to evolve those processes. And so we're going to continue to take a look at that, continue to tinker with things, continue to try to find the right way uh, to win football games in the um, in the immediate future and continue to take the long-term perspective of how we're going to build a championship team or a team that competes for championships consistently as we go down the road. All right, Stan, one thing that I really noticed on Sunday was just the, 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 and the Raiders' lack of passing game. It's been, it's been there all year for, for whatever reason. Derek Carr not clicking with this offense, uh, the offensive line issues. But this pass-catching trio of Devontae Adams, Hunter Renfro, they combined for two catches, Stan, for nine yards. Derek Carr had 101 passing yards against the Saints defense that I think was ranked 29th or 30th going into that game. Points allowed. I mean, I know Darren Waller's absence is week five. Hunter Renfro has certainly missed time. That's but a factor. But, you know, Derek Carr is just 17th in passing yards per game, 18th in passing yards per attempt. It's hard to dispute that Carr hasn't taken a step back from a year ago. Now, I mentioned that the pass protection definitely suspect. Uh, he's completing just 63% of his passes. Uh, that, that The interception he threw late over the middle to Hunter Renfro and threw a quadruple coverage on the same <laughs> that, that, that was just inexcusable. But, Stan, let me ask you this. What do the Raiders need to do to get this passing game going? Because the running game has been there lately with Josh Jacobs, but the passing game, Stan, has not really been there all year long. Oh, I don't really know exactly what you can do because you have the play caller that you wanted all along, Josh McDaniels, coming from New England uh, Patriots in that brain trust. You have the quarterback that you signed to a long-term extension in Derek Carr. You went and traded for Devontae Adams, the best receiver in the NFL last year. Hunter Renfro, one of the top slot guys in the league, if not the top. Darren Waller, one of the top tight ends in the league, if not the top. But so when you say, what do you have to do? I mean, like, call better damn plays. Or, you know, obviously you have the wrong guys at the at the at the receiver position. Now, I don't think that's the case, no. but I think that something right here is amiss. And I will go ahead and defend these guys for a brief second and say this. We're also talking about the same New Orleans Saints defense that stoned Tom Brady last year. We're also talking about the same New Orleans Saints defense that has had Tom Brady's number ever since he put on a Tampa Bay uniform. So let's not just go ahead and just completely dismiss the defense of the New Orleans Saints is simply being a bunch of scrubs because they've had the GOAT's number ever since he landed in Tampa. But uh, to your point, I think that you're going to have to simply mix it up. You're going to have to maybe lean on the run game a little bit more to open up the pass game, try to get Devontae Adams going early with screens, simple swing passes, get the ball in his hands early. That way he can get into a rhythm. Same for Derek Carr. So I think that you're going to have to be more intentional be more deliberate with how you get your guys going, getting them in the flow of the game early rather than later. You're so when you ask that question, you got to be more deliberate. You got to be intentional. Stan, do you remember the year that the Raiders uh, acquired Randy Moss 
from the Minnesota Vikings. Oh, uh, yes, that two, was that was in five, right? Was yeah, that was in two thousand five. That was my rookie year. Yes, Stan. To me, it it's never it seemed like the Raiders just never really understood how to use Randy Moss. And, no, they didn't. And I almost feel like that's the way with the Raiders' offense is right now with Josh McDaniels calling plays. I just I think they're searching for an identity and they don't know what to do. They have like we talked about Devontae Adams, arguably one of the top wide receivers. In the NFL, Hunter Renfro had over 100 catches a year ago, and I feel like he's basically disappeared from the offense. And I know Darren Waller's been hurt, but I just feel like they don't know how to – something's not meshing right. And it just reminds me of 2005 when the Raiders acquired Randy Moss, and it never was a good fit. Am I completely well, off basis here? Well, no, you're not completely off base, and that's why I say that whenever you bring in guys, whenever you bring in somebody through trade or via free agency, things like that, it has to be the right fit. And this is why I say this. When you look at Devontae Adams last year, Devontae Adams led the league in, what was it, receiving yards? He had a lot of catches, but he also had a lot of targets. Right. And the thing is, is that Aaron Rodgers was going to target Devontae Adams every damn play if Aaron Rodgers believed that he was open and, and he could get the ball there. That's not the type of quarterback that Derek Carr is. Derek Carr is not about to go out there and feed Devontae Adams three straight games, giving him 20 targets. That's just not the type of quarterback he is, thus you're not going to see the same production out of Devontae Adams that you did in a Green Bay uniform. Derek Carr likes to spread the ball around the field a little bit more. Sometimes Derek Carr gets a little bit gun-shy as far as wanting to pull the trigger, whereas Ann Rodgers, he believes in his arm. He believes in his receiver. He's going to let it rip and trust that his receiver is going to come down with the football. Derek Carr, he's a little bit more conservative in certain aspects. So I think that there's several factors that combine to why the Raiders are struggling in the pass game right now. But if you're expecting Devontae Adams to have the same type of production he had in Green Bay, if you're expecting things to look the same as they did while Devontae Adams was in Green Bay, or even with Hunter Renfro last year, who Hunter Renfro was seemingly the top receiver target last year. Well, Hunter Renfro definitely ain't the top receiver on this team right now because he got Devontae. So I think it, 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 it that's why... Whenever you combine a certain player within a certain organization, a certain offensive scheme, that's why it has to flow. It has to it has to mesh well. Everybody has to come together cohesively. And sometimes certain things on paper seem great, but in the reality, it's just not a good fit. Dan, another thing I don't think is fitting is, is the questionable play calling from head coach Josh McDaniels. Yes. Prime example, against the Saints, the early second quarter, Raiders are down 7 nothing. It's third and one. Give the ball to Josh Jacobs. Instead, they tried to get a little too cute. They ran a jet sweep with Devontae Adams. The result was a, a loss on the play. And then on fourth down, for whatever reason, they decide to try to run a fake punt, which doesn't work. They give the ball back the ball back to the Saints, what, 35-yard line, pretty much game over at that point. Now, I know McDaniels came to the Raiders with a reputation as an offensive guru, but to me, he struggled to complement the Raiders' pass game with the run game. You know, the Raiders, once again, have been terrible in the red zone. They haven't been able to find a way to get all these pass catchers, like we just talked about, involved simultaneously. Stan, is it fair to say McDaniels has had questionable play calling all season long? Oh, no, that's definitely not. Uh, that, that, that's what, what was your question? Is, is, it, is, it, is, it, is it safe is it to fair? say? Is it, yeah, is it fair? To hell play? yeah, it's fair to say. <laughs> What's their <laughs> record? Two and five? Uh, hell yes, uh, it's fair to say. So, yeah, I think that until – they dig themselves out of this hole. I think it's going to easily be fair to say that he's had questionable play calling, and that's being that's being polite. That's being gentle when you say questionable play calling. So that's definitely fair. 
Stan, let me ask you this. Derek Carr, where he might have been comfortable with John Gruden calling the plays, and then Derek would change him. Do you think that Derek perhaps wants to, I don't know if please is the right word, but do you think he's maybe hesitant to change the plays at the line of scrimmage because he's working for the first time with a new head coach and a play caller in Josh McDaniels? Have you seen that? I mean, that very well could be the case. I think that uh, for Derek Carr, the impression that I get, my job, I've never met Derek Carr before. I've never even been in the same room as him. Uh, but the impression that I get is Derek Carr is a little bit more of a pleaser rather than that alpha that's simply sure. going to, hey, this is how we're going to do it, and I don't give a damn what y'all think about it, whether it's the coach, the media, fans, whoever. That's the impression that I get. Um, so that probably does play a part as far as not wanting to go against what Josh McDaniels calls because he doesn't want to ruffle feathers and things like that. That very well could be the case uh, as far as simply, you know, maybe sometimes looking for Devontae Adams when maybe he should look elsewhere, things like that, because he wants to please his college teammate. So uh, as long as I've been knowing of Derek Carr being the franchise quarterback for the Raiders, I've always extrapolated more of the impression that he's more of a pleaser rather than what you would call an alpha, you know, like a Tom Brady, like an Aaron Rodgers, you know, like or somebody with that asinine type of demeanor, sure. but still being able to lead the team, but just having more of that mindset that we're going to do things my way. If I see something out there on the football field, I trust my own instincts that it's going to, it's going to wind up being a positive decision, a positive uh, uh, play for us on the offensive side of the ball. That's something I just don't see within Derek Carr's psyche. Stan, let me ask you this. How much of the Raiders' issues basically come down to the line of scrimmage? They're losing the battle on the offensive side of the line of scrimmage, and they're losing the battle on the defensive line of scrimmage. Can we break it down and make it that simple? Uh, no, I wouldn't make it that simple because that would be completely absolving the secondary. And they do not play well in the back end for, for long stretches as well. So, no, I can't just go and just say it's all about the trenches because that just means that the secondary is playing lights out and they just simply aren't getting enough pressure, which means they're simply having to hang on to receivers, guard receivers for much longer. And that's not the case because there's guys out there in the secondary that are getting beat when they shouldn't be getting beat. So uh, obviously the trenches, that's a big, a big weakness on this team. That's the Achilles heel of this team, but definitely not the only blemish within this organization. Now you're saying the Achilles heel, are you talking offensive line and defensive line? I'm saying offensive line not getting penetration, offensive line not able to protect Derek Carr, defensive line not getting consistent pressure on the quarterback, which leads to bigger plays in the back end because now those guys have to cover longer and just simply being able to recreate a new line of scrimmage, even in the run game. Nate Hobbs is coming back, Stan. I don't know how much of a difference he's going to make. I think he has to sit out two more games. The Raiders. They're 25th in scoring defense, 26th in yards play allowed. I think they had their first pass interference penalty on Sunday, Stan, but I'm thinking to myself, well, the only reason why they only have one because the, the corners <laughs> and the safeties and the linebackers aren't anywhere near the receivers. That's why they <laughs> only have one. I'm like, seriously. I mean, Stan, you, you played eight years in the NFL. If you took over this defense right now and you became the defensive coordinator, what would you do to try to, to fix this defense the best that you could? And I know you, it's a lack of personnel. It's a lack of playmakers playmakers on defense, but what would you do? What would be one of the first things you tried to do to improve this defense? I would be more multiple. I would have different packages 
Uh, I would be more multiple and I would be more exotic. I would confuse the quarterback. Sometimes I've given him an all out blitz. Sometimes we're going to go back out in zone coverage, things like that. Zone blitzes, send in some simulators, things like that. We're going to give the presentation of bringing five and then simply we're just going to go ahead and back out and only rush four, things like that. We're going to confuse the quarterback because we don't have the dogs. We don't have the personnel right now to line up and just beat you man-to-man, mano-a-mano, one-on-one. So I got to go to plan B, which means now I have to confuse the quarterback. I got to confuse the offensive coordinator. So I'm going to mix it up. I'm going to have different packages where it just seems like you never are able to really get a bead. You're never able to get any sort of a any sort of a trend, a pattern within what I'm giving you in that way. Within that confusion, that's where now we're putting the the quarterback, putting the offense back on their heels, where now they're having to take a split second more to just simply think and and be able to decipher what it is that we're trying to do in the back end or just within the front seven. So I'm going to go and I'm going to confuse you. That's what I'm going to do because I don't have the dogs to play with you, man to man. Seeing you played corner in the NFL for eight years, how how would you rate these Raiders corners, Rocky Seen, Averett. I mean, like I said, Hobbs is coming back. I do, I do like him. I mean, are these? Are these? I mean, star- I'm not going to disrespect them and say that they're no, scrubs. No. I'm not going to do that. But obviously, they're not playing uh, to the level that Raider Nation would like them to play. Obviously, they're not playing at an above-average level. We can go ahead and agree on that. You have plenty of teams that don't love their corners, but they have good pass rush or they have a defense coordinator that's going to put them in positions to be successful where the ball is going to come out quick and they don't have to cover because they're playing zone or something like that or they're winning in the run game so they're forcing teams into third and long situations where they don't have to come up and play press you can play a little bit more bracket coverage you can go and send the safety over to the top receiver and have more of a uh, a two-man type of look things like that so I'm not going to go as far as to say that they're scrubs. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to disrespect them like that. But I think we all can agree that they're not playing at satisfactory level. Dan, you're hired as the Raiders defensive coordinator. I'm convinced he's <laughs> around. Well, look, at the Raiders are spending this week in Sarasota, Florida, getting ready for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Head coach Josh McDaniels uh, met with the media, and here's what he said on trying to turn around the Raiders defense. It's not a... Uh, a one thing fix, um, whatever, you know, I, and we, you know, ranking sometimes can be, uh, you know, at times misleading, but we are what we are. And I think that this is a collective effort uh, to play better all around. Um, you know, I'd say, you know, our run defense at times has been very good. And then other times we've given up, you know, some yards when we've allowed the other team to run the ball, um, you know, as much as, uh, you know, like New Orleans did on Sunday. Um, and then our, our pass defense, pass defense is a 11 person job. You know, it's not really uh, just the coverage, just the rush, you know, you could pressure those kind of things. So this is, you know, defense is always a collective effort. You know, you have to do 11 guys have to do their job the right way and make it tough on the offense. Um, I think creating some turnovers, uh, which we've, we haven't really done a very good job of that. If we could do that, uh, certainly that would help limit the number of plays the other team ends up with. Um, so, you know, Trying to work at, at some of those things is obviously going to be a, a help. And I also think playing complementary football where, you know, you, the more you're on the field, the more you give up, you know. And so offensively, I think, um, you know, there's a there's a role the offense plays in all those numbers as well. And 
Again, Sunday was not a very good example of complimentary football. And we've had stretches where we played very well together. And uh, that's what we need to get back to. All right, Stan, one more thing on the Raiders defense. I think, you know, when I think the Raiders acquired Chandler Jones, I thought, okay, here the Raiders finally have these bookend pass rushers. He just has a half a sack, six quarterback hits, 10 hurries. Clearly, he is not the pass rusher that we all imagine when the silver and black acquired him. If he can get going possibly in the second half, how much would that help this defense? Oh, it would help him tremendously. I mean, it would give them the bookend pass rushers, or should I say edge rushers, that they were envisioning all along. So that would definitely help out the back end. It will help Max Crosby because now you won't be able to slide the protection to his side, much like whenever the Rams acquired Von Miller last year. It made Aaron Donald that much better simply because you're able to see Aaron Donald in the NFC title game making the play against Jimmy Garoppolo to send the Rams to the Super Bowl. He gets the sack in the Super Bowl, which pretty much seals the victory against Joe Burrow and the Cincinnati Bengals. And whenever you have somebody to take that heat off of you, that's when now you get singled up more. Max Crosby, that makes him better because Chandler Jones is now forcing the offensive line to have to go ahead and block them now straight up. You can't just slide the protection one way. Now you have to play them honest. So it would be paramount if Chandler Jones was to go ahead and have a monster second half of the season. From what you've seen from him so far, do you think you think that's possible? Or, or you think, you know what, what we're seeing is what we're going to get for the rest of the way from Chandler Jones? Uh, unfortunately, I think that this is probably what we're going to get. Not because Chandler Jones is the scrub. I'm not going to say that. No, no, right, right. There's a reason, there's a reason why the Cardinals did not re-sign him. Sure. There's a reason why. And when you look at his injury history over the last several years, that has been an issue. Now, whenever he's healthy, he's played at a very high level. We all know that. I mean, he had great years in New England and Arizona. So right now, you just wonder, have the injuries taken its toll on him, where now it seems like it's aged him a little bit faster than his birth certificate age would go ahead and, uh, and lead you to believe? That's where you have to wonder. And because of that, I'm not sure that he's going to have a monster year. I think that he's going to wind up with more than a half sack in his season total. But is he going to go on a tear for eight sacks in the last 11 games or something like that? Uh, I don't know about all that. We'll just have to wait and see. All right, let's play our over-under game. The Raiders take it on the Jaguars. The Raiders are favored by, I believe, a point and a half in this one. Stan, Derek Carr averaging 225 passing yards on the season after that woeful performance on Sunday. I'm going to go 225 over under. What do you think? Uh, I'm going to go over thinking with my head. Or should I say thinking with my heart right now? I'm going to go over. The Raiders are going to bounce back, and I think they're going to have a big day. Josh Jacobs, 100 yards. you think he goes over or under? Yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to say over. I'm going to say over. Not, not by a whole, whole lot. Not 140 yards, but I'm going to say he's going to go over, and he's going to have a, a productive day running the ball. Yeah, I agree. I think he's going to go over, and I think Derek Carr bounces back as well uh, and goes over 225. Stay on the Raiders' O-line. Three sacks allowed. They've given up 17 on the season. Over, under, what, three sacks allowed? Yep. Oh, man, I'm going to say under. I'm going to say under uh, just because three sacks is a lot. <laughs> So uh, I'm, I'm going to say under that the Raiders are going to be able to relatively uh, protect Derek Carr and in the, in the, it's going to be under. And let me ask you this. Last week, I mean, I mean the Saints pretty much knew the Raiders were going to throw every down after they got down big. You played on the defensive side of the ball. When you know a team is going to throw the football almost every down, 
How much easier does that make it on the defense? Because that their front four lived in the Raiders' backfield almost that entire game. Yeah, it just makes them very one-dimensional. So now, as a defensive coordinator, I can now tell my defensive line, pin your ears back and go get the quarterback. Go hunt. We don't got to worry about uh, stopping the run. We don't got to worry about really the screens, things like that. We know that it's going to the air. So now I can play. I can call more pass-oriented defensive calls. I ain't got to worry about sending another safety down low to put an eight-man box to try to stop the run. So if you can put a team in a in a one-dimensional situation, it bodes so much success for you as the defender, you on the defense side of the ball, because now there's only one component of the game that you really have to watch out for. All right, let's talk about the Raiders' defense now. I'm going to go over under 20 points. They gave up about 25 on the season. The Jags averaging 21 points a game. So Raiders' defense, 20 points over under. I'm going to say under. I'm going to say they're going to give up under 20 points this week. I think the defense is going to play relatively well, so I would say under. All right. I, I'm, I'm going to say it's going to be a push. I'm going to go push. All right, second-year quarterback Trevor Lawrence. Stan, how much have you seen him play, and what do you make of him? I think that he's just a, a second-year quarterback. I think that he's going to go through some growing pains. I think he's going to go through some struggles, mainly because this is the first time in his, in his life where he's not playing on a team that possesses receiving core that is simply better than the secondary that they're going against an offensive line. That's better than the defensive line. They're going against a running back. Who's automatically going to be better than the Mike linebacker that he's going to be matched up on. So that right there in itself is a process. That's a learning process. That's an adjustment right now for Trevor Lawrence for the first time in his life. He's not on the Clemson tigers. He's not having the success that he had in high school. So that's why this is going to be a process and adjustment for him. So I think that you're going to have to give him about another year or two before you really can try to see what he is because he doesn't have the tools around him. He doesn't necessarily have the players around him. What, Christian Kirk is his number one receiver? So just off of that alone, that's why it's very difficult to evaluate him with a fine-tooth comb rigidly uh, basing on uh, exactly – is he living up, living up to number one quarterback, number one overall pick standards versus is he not? You and I both know, just like uh, uh, everybody else does, DA, that you got to have players around you. I don't care how good you are. If you do not have the tools around you, you're going to struggle. We can look at number 12 for Green Bay right now. Great. That is a great point. Great example right there. All right, he has 10 touchdown passes on the season. Let's go over under two touchdown passes for Trevor Lawrence in this one. Under. Yeah, I think, I think I'm going push against Stan. I think I could see him accounting for both touchdowns uh, through the air. All right, Stan. Last week, obviously, I was way off. I said a high-scoring game. The Raiders would beat the Saints 34-31, 37-34, something like this. I'll let you go first. Give me a prediction for Sunday. Oh, man, a prediction for Sunday. I will go ahead and say 17-27. to Raiders? Yes, Raiders. Uh, Stan, I want to pick the Raiders. I do. I, I just, after Sunday's performance, I don't know if it's one of these things where they're going to bounce back and, and they're going to surprise us. They're going to play well and they're going to pick up the third win of the season or if they're going to go out and just play to the level of their opponent and, and they're going to get beat again on the road. I, I'm going to go Raiders. I'm going to go 23-20. Uh, hopefully, I'm going with my heart more than my brain on this one, man. I, I really am, but I'm going to try to stay positive. Raiders, 23-20. to 
All right, Stan, before we sign off, uh, Ray Guy, the Hall of Fame punter who won three Super Bowl rings with the Raiders over a 14-year career, he died on Thursday at the age of 72. He was a seven-time Pro Bowl selection, a member of the NFL's 100th anniversary all-time team. He was the first punter ever selected in the first round of the NFL draft by then-owner Al Davis. He's also the only punter ever to be enshrined into Canton. Stan, I know the Raiders have a lot of reunions. Did you ever have the opportunity to meet Ray Guy? No, no, I was never blessed with the pressure to meet Ray Guy, uh, somebody that I definitely wanted to meet, being the only punter ever in the Hall of Fame. That right there is just such a that, – that, that's such a stat, that's such an achievement that I don't think there's anybody that could not find the greatness in just that simple statement. Anytime you're the only person from a position in the Hall of Fame, and I think that uh, being ha- having an award named after him – just like Freddie B, you know, the Bolitnikoff Award. Anytime an award is named after you, I think that right there just personifies exactly how much you change the game. And we're not even talking about your level of greatness. You change the game, which is a completely different achievement within itself. But no, I never had the pleasure of meeting him. And obviously, uh, the Raider, the Raider Nation organization, just uh, everybody in a whole with the fan base, he's going to be sorely missed. My heart goes out to him and his family. And uh, we'll see him on the other side and we'll try to honor his passing with the victory this weekend and going forward just because he's one of the greats. And every time I see or hear about a Raider great, it always makes me more and more humble and just overall blessed to say that I, at one point in time, was able to don a black and silver jersey. Yeah, he was the master of the coffin corner. I remember he was such a a wonderful athlete. And I remember back in the 70s, I remember the, the Pittsburgh Steelers accused him of putting helium in the footballs when he punted because he had such unbelievable hang time. And he was such a wonderful athlete. I know he was always the emergency quarterback for the Raiders, and he made a play in the Super Bowl, I think the 1983 Super Bowl against the um, Washington Redskins, as they were known. I remember it was a high snap, and he went way up with one arm, snagged it in one motion, got the punt away. It was just a wonderful athlete, and I, uh, they always said he could throw the ball almost like 80, 90 yards, so just very sad. Another another Raider great passes on, and uh, you're right, Stan. Let's hope the Raiders can get a victory for him uh, on, on Sunday. So, All right, Raider Nation, that's going to do it for another edition of the Believe in Raiders podcast presented by BetOnline.ag. For my partner, Stanford Routh, I'm Dennis Sackerman. Thanks so much for listening, and Ray Guy, may all your punts find the coffin corner up there. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.